0: more bike riders per capita than anywhere in the nation here. You oh
1: yeah, yeah you're, in a, you're in a college town. Hey, did Winston Churchill ride a bike with that big hat? <laughs> he rolled a huge tire on the front.
2: And it's a, a penny farthing?
1: Yeah, just a penny farthing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> when, he was, when he was a young boy with like curly hair and like uh, essentially a dress on. Yeah, my thing about a penny farthing is where do
1: you park it? Like,
2: you can't bring it indoors. It's not going through the door. <laughs> You know you just you just lock it outside you know you yes, just have some to the bike street urchin watch it yeah, you, just, you just flip a, a street urchin a penny and you tell him to watch the watch the bike welcome back to the trilateral troika this is steve along with the other steve uh. and ryan what truly is has made a
0: fuckload of money off me i'm disgusted okay. how much i buy these things
2: they should do a program like the cigarette companies, where you can get like jackets, and you can <laughs> Tr- go
1: truly Lar- Laramie miles. <laughs>
2: yeah, you can go. You can go to the the Truly Ranch.
1: <laughs> oh man, I remember like uh, in high school, I had like a skating bag full of Marlboro miles. We were all collecting them. <laughs> we, wanted to get the, we wanted to get the mountain bike. Cause they, that was, like, ridiculous, right? Like, Marlboro had those Marlboro Miles things, and there were packs of cigarettes everywhere, so you would just find them and rip the miles off. Oh, yeah. We had, like, thousands of them, but we couldn't afford the one thing you probably shouldn't have if you smoke that many cigarettes, a fucking mountain bike.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My granddad used to have, like, a huge bowl of those things on his dining room table, and it was yeah. like his most prized possession
1: it was It's such a smart marketing move because no one ever spends them. So it's like it's like tickets at the arcade. You just keep collecting. You're like, I'm going to get the big thing. And you're like, no, you're not, dude. I
0: feel like you save it up for the tent and you never got the tent.
1: Yeah, or the stereo from 1987 that's on the wall.
0: <laughs> With the five-disc CD changer.
1: Yeah, five-disc <laughs> record changer. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of uh, five-disc record changers...
2: Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna be, talk uh, about can... Will
1: Chamberlain today,
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> the one and only
0: I went to type his name in earlier and for the life of me, I was so high I couldn't remember Winston <laughs> Churchill's goddamn name and all that came out was Wilt Chamberlain and I was like, This isn't right. Hang on. <laughs> We're not doing an episode on Will Chamberlain. This guy banged a whole bunch of chicks and was really good at basketball. This is we, could definitely, we could
1: definitely do an episode on Will Chamberlain. There's definitely enough history there, but still. Regardless, he had nothing on, to do with no. World War II. No.
0: <laughs> no. <He also laughs> that, did, that we know of.
1: That we know of.
0: He also doesn't look like a soggy loaf of bread. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like...
1: Yes, I do know what you mean. Sadly. I'm familiar but, with soggy bread.
2: But today we're going to be completing our our, our two-part series on Winston Churchill. Um, so last time we picked up, you know, it had been um, in in the 20s um, and that uh, Churchill um, was sort of beginning his, his what is referred to as the Wilderness Period which lasts from about 1929 to 1939 um, where he is not actually a part of a, a government, um, in the UK, um, and that he is, um, he, he's just sort of just being a regular parliamentarian.
0: This is where he really lets his racism flag fly too. Hardcore.
1: Hardcore. Yeah, that, that Anglo flag. That, that Cause, India question.
2: Yes, because in, in January of, uh, 1931, uh, Churchill would resign, um, from what was called the, uh, the shadow cabinet of the Conservatives. Um, usually, um, when a party is in opposition, um, and they're the, the main opposition party, they form what's called a, a, a shadow cabinet, um, which is the same as a, a regular cabinet with the same positions, um, but they just refer to it as such.
0: Can you I imagine mean, I, if we
1: had that in the States,
0: and the conspiracy theories that would go along with that?
1: I think we do have something similar called a shadow the shadow government. It's uh, It's a government... Like body that's in place in case of like nuclear fallout or something. I'm not even we'll kidding. Like, there's deep state. there's deep a deep real state, thing. The <laughs> no, there's a real thing. I can't remember what it's called, but it, it's something like funky like that. Because yeah, I'm convinced that Churchill joined that party just for the name. He was like, oh, well, that is a right and proper badass name. I'm going to join the shadow cabinet. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, but he would, but he would leave the the cabinet because um, uh, Baldwin. Um, the head of the cabinet, he supported the, the decision um, of the labor government to give India um, dominion status. Dominion status meaning what? Dominion means that they're sort of like a step up from a colony. Um, for instance, Canada um, and, and Australia were dominions um, where they, they're they given an a amount of self-rule. Okay. Um,
0: and he didn't but, like that because why?
2: Um, because he believed that if they were going to give them home rule, that it would... Um, that it would move them closer to full independence.
0: Did he feel that same way
2: about Canada and Australia? Um, I don't believe he did. um, He he mostly felt this way about India because of um, India moving the direction it was and it was generally considered to be um, very important in his eyes. Um, also,
1: because
0: of, um, sir, I'm sure, I'm sure the, the 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 general pigmentation of the skin color of your average
2: Indian person. <laughs> well, he, well, he referred to uh, Gandhi as a quote unquote a seditious middle temple lawyer ah. now posing as a fakir. Mm. Yeah, See? there
1: f- it is. <laughs> fakir is like the the best word
0: <laughs> because it's
1: me? because it sounds like you, it sounds like you're saying faker, but it actually does refer to something in that language.
2: Was it referred to? A, a, a fakir is like a like a holy man, sort of almost like a shaman.
0: Oh, a, so isn't that what Gandhi was?
2: Well, no, it was because well. he went with he was a lawyer and he went um, by by trade, but he went with um, sort of a um, an aesthetic look because he was going for more of uh, native clothing.
1: Ah, uh, okay, okay. It's like uh, um. it's like a Buddhist monk, basically, except different religion. So it's like a Sufi, and then like. They, they live on alms, basically. Because
2: um, Gandhi mainly uh, dressed the way he did um, because he sort of felt that um, Indians should be wearing, you know, native, native clothes that they made themselves, like, self-sufficiently um, as, as sort of in protest to the British government. So that's why, you know, he spun his own cloth and wore the outfit that he did. Um, before that, um, in his younger years, he, he generally dressed... Um, like a lawyer.
1: Yeah, he had like a suit. There's pictures of him. He has like a suit and all that stuff. Hmm.
2: Um, but his his views um they they enrage um the labor and and liberal party um and um but he was supported in his sort of opposition to Indian self rule or, or dominion status by um by many conservatives. Okay. Um, but what happens in in um nineteen uh in October of 1931. Um, there's a general election and the conservatives win um, but Churchill is not able to get uh, a ministerial position
0: mm. good, fuck him
2: um, <laughs> on, on December 3rd of, of 1931 uh, the commons would debate dominion status for India um, and Churchill insisted on, the, on them dividing the, the house of commons for debate um, but this, this sort of backfired because only uh, 43 other MPs supported him so they were the only ones arguing on his side out of how many? Um, I'm not sure how many there were at that time, but uh, it it's about the equivalent of like Congress, so
0: okay, okay. So they were just vastly outnumbered.
2: Yes. Okay. Um, his, um, his his sort of um his, his sort of idea of um of dividing um them say, for instance uh, today there are uh 1440 uh seats. In in Parliament, divided between um, 650 um, regular uh, parliamentarians and then 790 um, in the House of Lords.
0: And he got 40 something of them?
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, didn't get a lot lot of support.
2: (laughs) And um, so, because of this, you know, he's not really gaining support there. Um, He decides to go on. A, a tour of a lecture tour of North America um in, in hopes of sort of earning money to recoup uh, losses that he had um during the the Wall Street crash
0: I was about to say what is he going to get out of America but okay sorry money sorry
2: um so he, he goes on the speaking circuit and in and on December 13th um he's hit by a car um on 5th Avenue in New York City um, where he suffers um he suffers a head wound, Good. Um, and he de- and he develops uh, neuritis.
0: Even better, oh, couldn't no. happen to a shittier guy.
2: <laughs> and then uh, him and his wife, um, they would go to Nassau, where they would spend three weeks there. Um, but Churchill, during this period, is, um, is is just very depressed by his uh, financial and political losses.
1: Yeah, he's been on like uh, on like the downspin for a little bit there.
2: Yeah, so. He's on like year three of his um, of, of his wilderness years um, and, in, and in January of 1932 he returns to America um, finishes his tour um, and then heads back to the UK um, on March 18th of 1932 okay um, he, he travels around um, in order to write his book on his um, ancestor I, I mentioned before that he was writing a multi-volume history. Uh, of the Lord, uh, Marlborough. Um, and uh, Churchill... Um, Philip he, he goes, his name. And he goes to... Um, he, he goes to Europe in order to visit different battlefields that he had fought at. Um, and one of those uh, takes him to Germany. Um, and so while he's staying in uh, the Regina Hotel in Munich, um, he met a man named Ernst um, Honfst- uh, um who was a friend of Hitler... Um, and Hitler at, during this time is rising to prominence Because he hasn't yet become Chancellor
1: Right there was, no, um, that was, the, was there a beer hall push yet?
2: Well the, yes, that was in the 20s Because uh. remember that's what he went to jail for And then he writes Mein Kampf
1: right, right, okay. While he's
2: in jail um, So uh, Hans Stengel, um tries to arrange a meeting Between Churchill and Hitler um, But Hitler was, was not very enthusiastic About meeting with Churchill um, and, and he said of meeting with him, he said, quote unquote, what on earth would I talk to him about? <laughs> um, a- after, um, after Churchill, um, sort of is, uh, concerned about Hitler's anti-Semitism, um, Hitler did not come to that day or the next to, to visit him. Um, so, uh, Hitler, uh, allegedly told, um, Hans Stangl that, um, that because Churchill wasn't in, um, was not in office, that that he was of no real consequence to um uh to Hitler.
0: Right. But also is is Hitler in office right now as chancellor? Uh no. Not yet. So what the why is why, he talking why, shit? He's Why not would even he why well, why would he
1: meet with like <laughs> someone who's like on a losing streak and no longer in office, you know?
2: But it's he's like, not
1: even in office. Right, but but he's on, the, uh, he's on the upswing of his career. Yeah, he's, he's moving
2: Churchill's up. Churchill's
1: kind of like in the morass, like down in the shits, you know. Okay,
2: okay. So,
1: yeah, and he's, he's, Churchill's upset because because Hitler doesn't hate the same people he hates. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> you want to have a talk?
2: Because uh, Hitler becomes chancellor in, in 1933, in January 30th of 1933. So... By this time, the, the Nazis are already gaining in, in political power, um, and even though their their sort of coalition government it has not won them um, the chancellorship, um, they're they're sort of um, they they're sort of getting uh, close to it. Right. Um. So after after that, um, uh, Churchill um, he becomes afflicted with uh, paratyphoid fever. Um, and he spends two weeks at a sanitarium in, in Salzburg to recuperate. Does
1: this fucking guy wash his hands? For fuck's sake. <laughs> this I, is got the 30s. I got neuritis. I got paratyphoid <laughs> fever. Hitler won't talk to me. Probably because I'm disgusting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the 30s. They don't know about personal hygiene yet.
1: Yeah, nobody showers in the 30s. D- dude, they know about personal hygiene <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um so that was on, the twenties uh, you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. My decades are on shit. People how many times did people shower like a week in the 30s, Steve? Do you know that off the top of your head? I don't
2: think No idea. I think, I no idea. I think, think it differs think. by I think it differs by country to country.
1: What about Gandhi? Like did Hitler crap on him or did uh, <laughs> Churchill crap on Gandhi about his showering habits too. This guy never showers. Uh, uh, <laughs> he puts glucose in his water so he gets sugar
2: um, so uh, Churchill's ill health um, keeps uh, keeps continuing um, into uh, into September uh, of 1932 um, and eventually um, he he has to stay in a, a London nursing home um, until October of that year wow. um, but soon after, um Hitler comes to power um Churchill sort of uh recognizes early on um that what type of like a, a threat Hitler is um and he begins to um express alarm within the government um because uh Great Britain uh, like most countries during this time period has sort of wound down their military spending right. um because World War 1 is is over and you know the the great depression has hit um and Great Britain. Um, one area that he felt they needed to invest more in was that they had reduced their spending on their air force. Um, and he felt that Germany would soon overtake Great Britain, um, in air force production.
1: I had, um, I had read something. I'm trying to find it right now. Cause I can't remember, uh, where the fuck I read it, but, um, that they didn't believe Churchill when he warned them about Hitler for the same reason that they didn't listen to him, because he basically said the same thing about Gandhi. Like, he had the same argument about Gandhi. What? Yeah, <laughs> I read something earlier this week about that. I'm trying to find it. What? To find it.
2: Well, I well, I believe it's sort of that standard thing of, like, like extremism. Right. Um, like, like, he sort of felt that, that he was another extreme figure. Um, but, but this is when he actually comes out with, like, actual um, data, um, that he was able to get data on, on sort of like um, Germany's uh, development um, and, and their creation of the Luftwaffe. I right. remember during this time period, Germany is not supposed to really have a military. Um, it's been greatly reduced um, due to uh, the Treaty of Versailles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of what they're doing is being done in secret. Um, remember, they're, they're using the, uh, the MIFO bills. Um, in order to see find mefo bills.
1: Look at the callback. I like it. All I like right. it. I'm happy.
0: Um, they're using monopoly money, is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, and he would he would eventually um yes uh he, he would eventually go on in, in November of 1934 um on on the radio to sort of talk about um the the militarism of of the Nazis. Um, and also their their general um, intolerance because he's not a big fan of their their anti-Semitism. Because um, remember, uh, Churchill is is not really that uh, opposed to fascism. He's just opposed to um, the anti-Semitic fascism of the Nazis. Right. Because um, remember, he he liked Mussolini's regime because he saw it as a threat, um, uh, or he saw it as a, um, a a sort of defense against the threat of of communism. Um, but he eventually comes to oppose Mussolini as well, um, after they invade um Ethiopia in nineteen thirty six. Um, though though he would describe um Ethiopia as a uh, quote unquote a primitive and uncivilized nation.
1: Oh god, what a piece of shit. Was it though? Um, like at the time?
2: It was um it it was more developed obviously than, than colonial African countries sure. you have to remember at that time um, they are the only independent African nation right
1: so of course they're, they're like Thailand
2: um, like they they're still sort of like the Europeans look down on them um, but the only reason they're really kept independent like Thailand um, which is sort of treated the same is to say um, that that is sort of like an area that they don't have to fight over. Steve, I'm going to stop
0: you right there, real quick. Um, it's clearly pronounced thigh land, as <laughs> our great friend Dinesh D'Souza pointed out. Oh my gosh.
1: All,
2: all the people he knew who were Thai said it Thai. Oh yes. My God, he's
1: such
0: it's a pronounced
2: Thailand, land, as in, like, you know, like
1: Thai. It's also, it's Joe Thiesman, by the way.
2: It's, that's, like, the best thing is that when guys, like, that, especially Chuds, like, they'll make a mistake like that, but they can't admit they're wrong. Like, they, they can't just take the 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 L on just something as minor as that. No, they and double, then they have to, down. like, argue increasingly about how, like, no, 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 I'm I'm right. No, no, no,
0: I know, like, one person from, from Thailand that pronounces it Thailand.
2: Okay, so that makes it true. Um, uh, Churchill would also speak well of uh, Franco. Um, uh, in the Spanish Civil War, um, but he would later become a critic of, of Franco when when Franco and the uh, Spanish nationalists take things a bit too far. Um, two of Churchill's nephews, um, Esmond and Giles uh, Romilly, um actually fought for the Spanish Republic in the International Brigades um, during the Spanish Civil War. Okay. Um, and, and so... Um, Churchill continues to write his his four-volume history of uh, Lord Marlborough, Marlborough, Marlboro, his life and times, um, <laughs> which is published from 19, October of 1933 until September of 1938, um, meaning that's when the final volume came out.
1: What the fuck was it like? Harper's Weekly? Like he was in the Reader's Digest. <laughs> Five years of publishing.
2: Um, well, they're like big. They're like big volumes. Okay, like it's Volume One of of Marlborough's Life, Volume Two.
1: How it was, uh, in, it was in penthouses, letters to the editor. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> How historical was, was he? Was he like the Bill O'Reilly, like killing George Washington series, like that shit? Or was I, he like
2: legit? I would say he's he's comparable to to a historian of the day, and not you know like the 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 sort of like popular popular Fox News history book writer. <laughs> you're Glenn Beck's. And you're, uh,
1: Glenn, Beck. Glenn Beck's never write, written a sentence, let alone a book.
2: Yeah, he has, <laughs> he has things that could be described as books. Uh, they're mostly full of nonsense, but yes, they, they can be described as books. Uh, they have a cover and pages.
0: There, there's, there's pieces of paper with words from the dictionary on that paper. Words. Bound together by glue. That's
2: about it. Glue. <laughs> So, in in December of 1934, um, the India Bill enters Parliament and passes. Um, in February of 1935, um, Churchill and 83 other Conservative MPs uh, will vote against it. But um, again, um, he's not able to gather support um, against this bill.
0: What is the um, India Bill? Is that what
2: would give them? Not- it would give them dominion status. Okay. Um and. In June of 1935, uh, Prime Minister MacDonald uh, resigns and is replaced by Prime Minister Baldwin. Um, Baldwin would lead the Conservatives um, to, to victory in 1935, um, but uh, Churchill would be continue to be left out of the government, even though um, he keeps increasing um, his majority in his, uh, in his area. Meaning that he keeps winning uh, more and more votes, but he's still not added into the government. Um, in January of nineteen thirty six,
1: just perennial Edward, fucking loser, just keeps losing.
2: <laughs> well, he's he still has a seat, but they're just like, we're we're not going to let you into the government.
1: So, he um, ha- wait, is it like a censure? What kind of seat is it then? Is it like a seat in like a back well, office? Is he at the coat?
2: Well, no, like jacket? a, a minister's seat? seat. Like he wants to be like minister of of war, minister of the navy, or right, like that type of thing. But they're like, no, you're you're not going to get one of those seats. You're just going to be an MP.
0: So basically if we want to translate this to American politics, he wants committee assignments and they're like
2: go fuck well, yourself. Well no, Greene. <laughs> well no, it would be more to say he wants to be secretary of like state or secretary of Okay, so he wants to be now, like,
1: in in Biden's cabinet. She's a huge piece of shit, but I think the most offensive thing that she does is CrossFit. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's not it is the like like when you think about CrossFit, there's good CrossFit. Like there's good like where the guys are, they give you the right—not guys, but guys and girls—give you the right uh, forms, you know, and they do things carefully and they do That's it the, the right way. That's not
0: part of CrossFit. They That's, do carefully they,
1: is not part of CrossFit. No, there, there's good. It's cross training, and so if you give people the right stuff and you follow the right uh, forms and all that kind of stuff, you can be okay. But she does the exact pure CrossFit, like the the fucking spaghetti arms pull ups. <laughs> Like just literally looks like she's getting attacked by like a giant like mosquito and she's trying to avoid getting fucking hit in the head by it. Oh, it's the worst, dude.
0: No, she doesn't even like do kipping pull ups.
1: She just like flails. It's ridiculous. I can't. I, can do, I can't like, take. Three. I can yeah, pull ups are pulls. hard. That's why you don't do them like a jerk off. They're hard. But she just fucking flails. I'm like, what are you doing? You I, crazy honestly, thing? she's a she's a racist, like nut job, conspiratory, like she's a fucking lunatic but the of all the i can't get past the crossfit to even talk about the other parts of it like it's just it you know somebody asked me if i was in that state and somebody asked me like who you're voting for i'm like i'm certainly not voting for this fucking crossfitter
0: (laughs) i also heard that she rides a bike as well
1: i mean i'm okay what's wrong with that (laughs)
0: What's wrong with riders? A... I
1: can't stand Fuck bike riders. bike riders. <laughs> Gainesville, dude. I have more bike
0: riders per capita than anywhere in the nation here. In Gainesville oh, yeah, yeah, you're,
1: you're in a college town. Oh, hey, did I Winston Churchill to... ride a bike with that big hat? <laughs> he rolled away with a huge tire on
2: the front. And it's a, a penny farthing?
1: Yeah, just a <laughs> penny farthing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> when, he was, when he was a young boy with, like, curly hair and, like, a... Uh, Essentially a dress on Yeah
1: my thing about a penny um, farthing is where do you park it Like you can't bring it indoors It's not going through the door
2: <laughs> You know you just you just lock it outside You know, Or yeah, you just have some street urchin rack. watch it yeah, There's always a you bike just, rack there You just flip a, a street urchin a penny And you tell him to watch the Watch the bike
1: hey, um, here, Sean, I'm on my old ride there son. The fucking Baker Street Irregulars Reporting back to Sherlock Holmes <laughs> I got Churchill's penny farthing over here It's tied to me leg <laughs>
2: in in January of nineteen thirty six um Edward the uh Edward the Eighth succeeds his father, George the Fifth, um, but because um I'm he wants sorry. to be is that the king
1: is, sorry. is that the king's Time speech out. guy?
2: No, George the Sixth is the King's okay, speech
1: guy. Okay, so we're guy. a little out of that. Okay.
2: Edward the... Edward the Eighth is the fascist. Okay.
0: okay. Edward how okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. How is Edward the Eighth's
2: father George the Fifth?
1: Because it's when the you're George,
2: because when you when you become king, you get a regnal name, and your regnal name is a name you choose, and your your it's not based on who your father is; it's based on of the of that house, which which Edward or which George or um, which Elizabeth you are. Steve, so I Edward
1: I love Crusader the, Kings. So Edward,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Edward the Eighth became George
2: the Sixth. No. George VI is his brother who succeeds him, because what happens is Edward VIII is forced to abdicate because he wants to marry an American divorcee named Wallace Simpson.
0: oh, Yo, bro, you're fucking up.
2: <laughs> um, and because he wants to do this, um, they're they're against it because she's a divorcee. She's not. Um, she she's not of. She, she's not from a noble family. Um, so she's not acceptable. Um, Churchill, um, contrary to what the King's Speech tells us. Um he supported Edward, um, and would clash with the Prime Minister on the issue. Um, but after after his abdication, um, Churchill would immediately pledge his loyalty to George the Um, but he wrote of the of the abdication that it was quote unquote premature and probably quite unnecessary.
0: <laughs> Is he talking about high school kids losing their virginity?
1: <laughs> Jesus. Premature hey. and unnecessary, I get it. Ah. I got yeah, it. That was a good joke. Quite
0: unnecessary. If you
1: were like, uh, if you were like on the redneck comedy tour, that would be like, you know, easily in your top five jokes. Too highbrow. Too highbrow. <laughs>
0: Too highbrow. Also, now. redneck comedy tour, they would definitely be like, man, listen, listen, it. There is nothing premature and nothing unnecessary about losing your virginity in ninth grade or earlier to be completely honest with you
1: you know you should do you should be like the ron white but instead of like sipping whiskey you're just toking a j just you're just (laughs) up there with the j just yeah speaking of speaking of weed what was churchill's view on that
2: (laughs) probably wasn't a fan (laughs) I don't even know if he knew what weed was.
1: <laughs> I am aware of it. I'm aware of it.
2: <laughs> he, was, he was probably aware of hashish. Oh he yeah. He spent a lot of time in India, and the Middle uh, East, and yeah, Africa. Yeah.
1: yeah. He did. Yeah, uh, the and they shoes. used it. They used it like uh, recreationally. So. And well, you see, it's, it's a plant.
2: It. It's from the earth. You know, it's natural. Yep. And if we let this you know, Gandhi from, fucker have to display,
1: we're going to lose our access to it.
2: <laughs> we must close the THC gap.
1: The THC Gap! That's the name of the episode. The All right, THC go ahead. Gap, there it is. Um,
2: so, in, in May of 1937, uh, Prime Minister Baldwin resigns, and he is succeeded by Neville Chamberlain. I oh. um, So, at first, Churchill Tom, uh, welcomes Chamberlain Tom Hagen, Prime Minister. The Tom Hagen uh, of British government. <laughs> but but eventually, in, in February of 1938, um, he begins to clash um, with him, um, because uh, Foreign Secretary Anthony Eden of the uh, of the Suez Canal Crisis fame um, he resigns because uh, chamberlain uh, uh, Chamberlain's policy of appeasing uh, Mussolini um, and then his eventual uh, appeasement uh, towards Hitler.
0: Oof. so if you want a, a funny thing, if you look up appeasement uh, on Google, it gives you the definition uh, and immediately. It, it talks about uh it's basically a diplomatic policy of making uh concessions to an aggressive power to avoid conflict but it also says that the term is most often applied to the foreign policy of the uk governments <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> fucking surrendering bitches france uh, listen you're off the hook for surrendering now it's on the uk
2: <laughs> well the the french were also um sort of taking on a policy of appeasement during this time as well um that they, they had been the most uh, sort of adamant about punishing Germany um, but by the time that the remilitarization of the Rhineland comes, um, the sort of the, the Anschluss and, and everything else that happens, um, they, they're, they're also with the, uh, the British on this. Oh, okay. um, so, so in 1938, Churchill, um, Churchill warns against this policy and he says that they need to take collective action uh, against Germany. Um, he would He would write regularly um, in the evening standard. Um but his uh publication uh his of his articles every um every uh fortnight, which is about two weeks, um, is, is discontinued. They're they're taken up in the Daily Telegraph. Um and then following the, the German annexation of, of Austria during the Anschluss, um he, he spoke in the House of Commons saying, uh quote unquote, the gravity of the events cannot be exaggerated. Huh. Um, he, he, he began calling for the, the making of a mutual defense pact um, among European states that were threatened by um, the, the Germans, um, arguing that this would be the only way they could halt um, Hitler. Um, but this policy isn't uh, sort of um, taken by the government. Um, and in September of 1938, uh, Germany invades the Sudetenland in Czechoslovakia, um, seizing it from that country.
1: And, and Winston Churchill was
0: sitting there saying, I told you so. I told all of you what was going to happen.
1: Yeah, that's why I made the Tom Hagen reference. My brother said that Neville Chamberlain wasn't a wartime consulary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you,
1: need, you need to get Jenko in there. Uh,
2: so uh, Churchill uh, visits Chamberlain um, to, to sort of urge him to, to make an ultimatum to, to Germany. Um, that it would be war if they invaded Czechoslovak territory, right. um, but Chamberlain is unwilling to do this. Um, on, on September 30th of 1938, Chamberlain signs the Munich Agreement, um, which gives uh, which allows Germany to annex the Sudetenland. So um, he just kind of Church- gave it to them. He did. Uh, Churchill, Churchill calls this agreement a total and unmitigated defeat. Um, on September third, uh, nineteen thirty-nine, uh, when uh, Great Britain declares war on Germany, um, Churchill is reappointed as the first Lord of the Admiralty um, and installed within Chamberlain's War Cabinet.
0: I'm back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Your boy Winston's back.
2: <laughs> well, uh, uh, Churchill would uh, would claim that that the first um, signal uh, sent to the fleet was Winston is back. Really.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I'm uh,
0: back, baby, and I'm ready for go.
1: I'm back, and the first thing I need you to do is close the blinds so I can walk around butt-ass naked.
2: <laughs> open the brother, windows and then Wisconsin. close them.
1: Hand me. Point me to Neville's desk. <laughs>
2: um. So, uh, as as first lord of the the Admiralty, uh, Churchill. Um, is, is one of the highest profile ministers of the, of the beginning of the war, um, which is referred to as um, the, the Phony War. Um, and it's mainly called this because most of the fighting that happens during this period is at sea. Because This is prior to the German invasion of France. So they call it the Phony War because the fighting was at sea? Uh, Well, they call it the phony war because they say there's, like, a war on but they're not really doing much fighting other than, you know, some naval battles and skirmishes.
0: Okay. So let me ask you something. At this point, right, in history, just kind of in general history, is the world aware what is about to happen to it? Or is there just kind of like a vague undertone of, wow, this, this crazy little Austrian dude is kind of getting a little big for his britches over there?
1: Well, you know, it, Trump's going to take back the White House any day now. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: In oh August. God.
0: Steve, yeah, if you're going to say it, it's August. Specifically, <laughs> it's August 26th. And it's
2: because if you take the 26th, uh,
0: add them together, you get 8. 8 is the number of the product item number that you would buy from Wayfair to get your child sent directly to your house via USPS. <laughs> oh, my
2: God. Uh, because, because Churchill is the first word of the I. Admiralty um, – <laughs> because, you know, this, um, people know this is a big deal. They, they're not really sure how this will go. Um, but because uh, he's the only one really doing the fighting during this period as, as First Lord of the Admiralty and in charge of the Navy, um, that, that his reputation begins to um, go up because of this. And also, his, his speeches make him uh, popular.
1: Yeah, because he was a pretty good speaker. You can yeah, listen to so a lot of his Hitler. stuff I don't really Well, <laughs> don't, well again, that, that the point really isn't <laughs> what It's not what he said I'm not saying I agree 100% with what Churchill says I'm saying he was a good speaker Everyone likes to say this. so was Hitler thing too Like Hitler was a good speaker Hitler wasn't a good speaker he was a good speaker. The way Trump's a good speaker, if he's talking yeah. to an audience that is frightened and only believes the it, things he says. It's it's
2: about it's about the equivalent, but like where it was way more coherent. He's not just going on about like New York City gossip while some while some man who like calls somebody who uses like uh, a coaster a cuck. Like class, and it's like, thank you, Mr. President, for talking about that yeah. that that man in New York City who 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 you like to talk about. Thank you very much. You're my president.
1: Hitler was definitely a polished uh, orator, but his message was so fucking ridiculous that it didn't matter. You know,
2: didn't matter
0: because they were listening to him anyway. Exactly. Anyways. Exactly. So yeah,
1: that's what I mean.
2: So Churchill is is worried about uh, uh, German naval activity in the Baltic Sea. Um, and he wants to send a naval force there, um, but he was uh, he soon changed the uh, it was soon changed to uh, an operation called Operation uh, Wilfred, which would have mined uh, Norwegian waters um, to stop iron ore shipments um, from Narvik uh, to to Germany.
0: Operation Wilfred Brimley to mine Norwegian waters (laughs) with sweet, sweet candy. Oh my god.
2: Um, So, Because uh, the the government, uh, the the War Cabinet is is somewhat opposed to this and how it will be carried out, as are the French. Um, So the operation is delayed until um, April 8th, 1940, um, which is the day before the Germans invade Norway. Um, So after they uh, fail to prevent the invasion of of Norway, um, the the Commons hold an open debate um, that lasts from May 7th to May 9th on, on how the government is handling the war. Um, This debate comes to be known as the Norway debate, um, and it's considered like one of the most uh, significant debates in uh, parliament history.
0: So, all right. So (laughs) what was actually being debated?
2: Well, they were essentially saying, is the is the prime minister handling the war well? So you have to remember in, in the parliamentary system, if people don't like how the prime minister is doing, the House can can vote to have them removed. Okay. They can do a vote of no confidence, and then they can have a new prime minister appointed.
0: So basically they're discussing and debating whether or not the prime minister did
2: his job? Yes, they're, they're essentially doing. saying, is the government doing a good job in, in the conduct of this war?
0: Um, after the and, Nazis occupied Norway.
2: Yes, after like the first major thing after the invasion of Poland... Is that the the Germans are able to take Norway before they're able to act because they're too busy sort of like arguing about how they're going to do it?
0: Gotcha, gotcha. It's just um, it's kind of crazy to wrap your mind around. Imagine living back then.
2: Just imagine being a person that lives in
0: England and hearing on the news like over the telegram, like listen, the news bulletin. Hitler, the little crazy Austrian, is moving his as It's Norway. is taking it. Like that would be insane. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine a country in the 21st century taking over another
1: country? In Europe. That's fucking... In, in, uh, it's in my Europe, minding. yeah. Like, I think... I, I always think about that, by the way. It's a big topic that comes up in, when I'm thinking about this stuff, is uh, how war changed. Like, that, that, that Europe and, like... You're not going to really have a war in Europe. Like, Canada's yeah. not going to take out the US. Like, th- things like that don't happen anymore. But back then, just, like... That was one of the last times where one of those countries just decided, like, we're just going to fucking invade Poland, and yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> we're going <gonna, laughs> to. While we're at it, while you guys are arguing over there in the corner, uh, I'm going to take Norway right off the map. Yeah, like it's fucking game is, of risk. This is mine now. Thank yeah. you. Yeah.
2: So on the on the second day of debates, uh, May eighth, uh, the the Labour um, opposition calls for a vote of no confidence um, for Chamberlain's government. Um, and eventually, what happens is that uh churchill um comes out um uh comes out sort of on top of of who they want um for the new prime minister um and so he he's sort of called upon though because he's a part of the government he has to speak on behalf of the government mm-hmm. um so he's he's sort of stuck in this position where he has to uh defend the government without damaging his own sort of chances at becoming. Uh, possibly prime minister yeah um and the the government will will win the vote uh, but um it, its majority in the in the house is uh reduced um, it, amid uh, calls for there to be a, a national government uh, me- meaning that they're not going to be divided on party lines they're they're just going to be you know just just the parliament um voting for the best interests of um, Great Britain and not their own political agendas mm-hmm. okay um on may tenth uh German forces invade um the the Benelux region they invade Belgium, uh luxembourg um and the netherlands um uh, on their way to france.
1: How'd they do there
2: <laughs> uh pretty good <laughs> <laughs>
1: he said, he said, what was br- what was good what was Britain doing at the time?
2: Well, they're they're mostly in um, they they're mostly in in France because um, remember these these countries were neutral at the time they they were not a part of the allies.
0: Also, remember Britain is isolated. Yeah, they so are not to. So while there is concern of what's going on in England, you have the English Channel that separates them, so they're just kind of sitting there, kind of like, oh man, thoughts and prayers, guys, but we're straight.
1: I just picture Neville Chamberlain. Well, they they
2: are in they are in France because remember like Dunkirk.
1: Right. I was just I'm picturing. I was picturing like, Neville Chamberlain just like Stavros, Halkias, like so it's like those <laughs> tweets. Like he made a tweet today, like just like laying there in the sun, just fat ass, just laying there in the sun. <laughs> and I'm like sitting there, like Britain's just waiting. Come on, I got nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so as as Chamberlain is trying to form this coalition, um, uh, Labour says that they won't follow him. Um, but they would accept a, another conservative candidate. Um, and the two candidates that, that sort of come up are, are Churchill and Lord Halifax, who was the foreign secretary.
0: Right. When you say Chamberlain, um, we're talking about Wilt, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. The <laughs> stilt.
2: Um, you just put up a so, hundred points. What do you want? He's a fucking god. Anyway. <laughs> so Halifax uh, admits that he would not be able to govern effectively um, because he's a member of the House of Lords. Um, and so uh, Chamberlain... Um, advises uh, King George um, to, to make Churchill um, prime minister
1: effectively stepping down
2: Yes because remember he he wants he he knows they need to form this government but he can't do it so he tells the king because remember the king appoints the prime minister right um, Usually it's it's sort of like uh, perfunctory that they just go and the usually the the king or queen, um, since around the time Queen Victoria and, and also the Hanoverians will we'll just sort of go with it.
1: So they're just like, um, accept it. Okay.
2: Yes, because it's what the, the people want. Um, so Churchill, um, he begins to feel uh, a sense of relief um, because he, he feels that um, he now has authority over the whole scene and, and can sort of properly conduct the war.
0: I'm sorry, he became prime minister and felt relief? Yes, because in um, what
2: is the up of uh, the up, like the lead up to World War Two, he felt relief. Well, they're in World War Two. It's not a lead up. They're they're in the yeah. War.
1: Because okay. he was a nationalist and he thought that he could, he was going to be the one to to lead Britain to better days. So you know, he, um, can you and, imagine and he's, the level of narcissism that this dude is having right there? In I this? think you have to have some confidence. You know, like you you might need yeah. to be to be in those positions. Uh, you almost have to be blind to some of the, sh- the, the failings that could occur. Like, you almost have to have, like, a zealous, like, belief that you can Also, you your can ego
0: has to not fit through a standard door.
1: Right. But it's almost a necessity in that circumstance. Because if you don't believe in yourself, then your plans are probably gonna be shit. I mean... Yeah. yeah. You know?
2: Um, he would uh, he would say if, um, Say of him becoming prime minister, um, that his, uh, that that it was part of his, like, destiny and that his life up to that point had been, quote unquote, a preparation for this hour and for this trial. Oh my god, what a fucking blowhard.
1: He was really good at grandstanding. Like, his grandstanding verbiage is just, just just beautiful.
2: Fucking pompous windbag. Jesus Christ. (laughs) You know? Um,. So the we, we all know how, how World War Two goes. Um, Churchill does a good job. Um, <laughs>
1: surprise. That's the um, episode. <laughs> episode right, two, Churchill, Winston land Churchill. World War Two. Churchill does a good job.
2: Churchill, good job. We must Churchill. close the
1: THC gap.
0: <laughs> Churchill is a land of contrast. <laughs>
2: um but, but what happens during the war is that um, in, in 1943, an event that's not really talked about as much uh, until more recently is the uh, what's referred to as the Great Bengal Famine of 1943. Let's um, so talk the, about it. so the, the the Bengal region of, um, of India which at that time the, it is the uh, a Bengal province um, it, is having a lot of issues during this time period because uh, most of the people who live there are, are subsistence farmers. Um, And due um, to a number of of issues that the the, the food supply um, becomes uh, much, much smaller Mm -hmm. um, and and disease sort of uh, runs rampant. um, And it results in about 2.1 to 3 million people um, dying out of the the 60.3 million people of uh, Bengal province. Um, So uh, there there's a lot of issues there um, with overpopulation. And and also just sort of like poor management of the local economy and infrastructure.
1: Um, okay, how much? So, how much like uh, interest is there in that area of the world post World War Two?
2: In the Bengal region,
1: right? Like just in in India and all that all that place over there.
2: Well, I I mean it's something like they all know about. Like like it's not something that like they, they would have never heard of it. They they would have been familiar with it, but it, but it wasn't really like. Talked as much about it was. It, it's just course. one of the many crimes committed by the British against the people of India. Right. One of the many. Oh yeah. Um, so it's a laundry well, list. What, <laughs> so what 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 happens is is that after um, after uh, current day uh, Myanmar, what was then Burma, um, falls to the Japanese. Uh, this causes a disruption in in food trade um, from these occupied territories because the the colonial is they won't accept anything that comes from that area. Um, In in order to sort of have a a scorched earth um, policy. Because they don't want to be giving money to people who are living under the occupation. uh, Because it's most likely they're collaborating with the Japanese.
0: That's the other thing too. Let's say some shit like this happened today. Do you understand? I still can't get my hands on a PS5. Just (laughs) put it like that. (laughs) I would never. I'm sorry, not just me. Nobody would get their hands on like just even commercial items.
1: Yeah, we go, even go.
0: just like you, you don't go to Publix and get whatever the fuck you want. Like when and countries are taking over other, like I don't know, it's it's just, so, it's just a lot to think about.
2: So what this what happens as well is that um, this causes the local economy um, to to collapse, and it also causes a, a destruction of families in the region uh, because uh, men uh, sign up to join um, the the British army um, in, in order to to sort of get paid. Um, and then uh, eventually, they leave uh, their women and children um, behind. Many of which become um, homeless uh, migrants, um, usually following around the army or, or going elsewhere. Um, and, and this also there, there's also influxes of, of sort of refugees um, from the occupied areas. Um, the British government um, they give very limited aid um, to the people during this uh, during this period. Um, they attempt to control the price of rice um, by by sort of putting in price controls. Um, but what happens well, they is were this called causes price
1: controls. Actually, not price controls. Price controls. <laughs> rice. Rice controls. No, but they're
0: rice controls. Price <laughs> controls on rice, so they're rice controls. Um,
2: rice but this, price this co- controls. <laughs> but this causes a, um, a a black market to pop up for rice, um, and also causes um, <laughs> hyper hyperinflation um due to the amount of like speculation that's going on and also the hoarding that's going on um in order to sell um rice at the right time in order to make the most money.
1: Yeah, like putting putting stuff on rice and then having people hoard it is stupid cuz rice keeps, man. Like you can keep rice around for a long time. Years. It's still editable as long as you keep it in the right uh location, you know. Yeah.
2: Um this this crisis would eventually end in in 1944 um when when they're able to better establish um, food security in the area.
1: Okay. okay. But that was during um, World War II. Did we go back?
2: No, it is. Because remember, 1944 is still in World War II.
1: Yeah, that's what I said. I said that was during World War II. Yes. Okay. We have not left World War II yet. It was, oh, okay. it, was a,
2: it was a couple years
1: long. Okay, okay. We're talking about other yeah. stuff that was going on it, during World War II. Yes,
2: yeah. Yeah, okay. so it lasted during 43 and 44.
1: I got confused. Um, I was just making sure. All right.
2: And there's, there's some talk about how culpable the, the British government is to this, like how much they could have done. Um, like, you can't really draw down a line to say, like, you know, Winston Churchill was behind this, like, um, or that they were really fully aware of, of what was going on because, you know, so so much was going on, especially in that area. I
1: can't, Steve, because um, my reasoning is not held to academic standards. So <laughs> watch me. I
2: just, I'm just a straight shooter. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: uh. <laughs> um, a- another, another thing that I've mentioned before um, that Churchill is behind um, is the percentages agreement um, which at the end of the war that's when him and Joseph Stalin sat down during the fourth Moscow conference in October of 1944 um, and, and they would sort of draw up the state of post-war Europe um, so most of the countries that are in or were in the Warsaw Pact uh, most of those Eastern European countries um, ended up there because of this agreement that was made between Churchill and um, Stalin. So
1: you're saying Churchill's right. partially responsible for the communist like overturn of Poland?
2: Yes, he's he's fully responsible. Him and Stalin. So is
1: he like a, um, is he like hated amongst the Polish? I've never I like I I know a lot of Polish people, but I've never
2: well, asked them we, directly. We didn't know but. about this until like about uh, fifty three, but I think they. Um, when, when he wrote about it in his autobiography. Um, but I I don't really know how much blame they put on I think they put most of the blame, you know, on the, the Soviet Fucking
1: occupation. Fucking Stalin, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so what that's they, like That'd you, be you like Germans actually, blaming Churchill for Hitler. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah.
2: So so what eventually happens is, is that they sort of sit down and they literally write out on a paper, like, what percentage of influence the Soviet Union will have in a country and what influence like Great Britain will have. That's fantastic. Um, And and they sort of like, uh, most of the ones that are in Eastern Europe, um, they get pushed over to the Soviet sphere of influence and, and the ones that don't end up um, uh, sort of allied with the Soviet Union in the post-war period. Those were ones that Britain said that they would have the most influence in, one of which was Greece. Um, Sorry, I said one of the things that sort of kicks off the cold war is the fact that there's a large, communist um insurgency slash insurrection in greece and there's a civil war um and the the british um and the americans think you know that the soviets have gone back on their agreement um, but in reality what's happening and and they're not really aware of it is that uh tito um in yugoslavia is actually pushing for there to be a communist um sort of uh overthrow of the government in greece um in order to bring greece into uh what eventually becomes uh the federal state of Yugoslavia.
0: Now when you say Tito Uh Tito uh, Jackson? Like what you Tito Jackson. Tito Ortiz, like the wife beater. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> what? How you beat up Jenna Jameson, like what this the fuck our wrong with off fucking city. Uh, <laughs> and it's
2: uh uh Yosep Yosep
1: David Ortiz.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we'll bring big copy this. <laughs>
1: So what was Tito? He was the. Amanda Ugo- T- <laughs> Tito was like the ruler of Yugoslavia right now.
2: Yes, he was. He was sort of. He was a, a major leader of the Partisans during World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, he he leads the resistance movement throughout the the Balkans, um, and eventually after the war, um, he's the first president of the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia, which he rules from January fourteenth, nineteen fifty three, until his death on May fourth, nineteen eighty. Um, he was really the only thing that was keeping um, Yugoslavia together um, so after he dies that's when we start moving towards like, the, the Yugoslav wars okay um, so, so Tito eventually as well um, he, he'll sort of ally himself with the United States and, and sort of Western Europe like he'll, he eventually goes against the Soviet Union um, and, and sort of becomes allied to the United States and, and it's like sort of area of influence Okay. Uh, While well, well, still being a communist country. Right. 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 Um, so, after these agreements are made, no one's really told about it. Like, Stalin Stalin has his copies, like, destroyed. Um, and it, he he sort of asks Churchill um, if, if he's going to save his as well. Um, and, and Churchill does. Um, so, that's one reason why we know about it. Like, he can physically see the piece of paper where he wrote down, like... They're sort of jam session to decide who controls what after the war is over. Jesus. Um, so uh, Franklin Roosevelt um, was just was two consulted. wild and crazy guys
1: just determining <laughs> who gets what after World War Two.
0: So so FDR is consult anybody? They're just like between themselves.
1: Well, that let, we let's. That's a good point. Did they, Steve? Like, I mean, they didn't really have. Uh, he didn't have a way to do that. Quickly, I would say, but there were telecommunications. The, the
2: rulers well, of the country. Well, remember they're they're all at this they're all at this conference. This is one of these like Allied leader conferences. Yeah, but have well,
1: they sorry, pay, have they is this again?
2: This is at the fourth Moscow uh, conference. Okay, they, this
1: is at Yalta. Okay. So have they placed that much trust in in Churchill's decisions at that level? Like,
2: well, well, what happens is is that uh, FDR is sort of uh, uh, consulted about it uh, after the fact. Um, and he conceded to the agreement,
1: so he fucked Poland uh, too.
2: Um, so the <laughs> damn Poland. the the agreement, like I said, is not made public until 1953.
1: Well, yeah, of course. I, mean, I wonder why. <laughs> got-
2: um, and it was it was made it was made public in uh, the final volume of uh, Churchill's memoir. You
1: got Franklin Delano Romanowski there, just freaking <laughs> making choices for us.
2: Um, and uh, the the ambassador that was attached. Um, uh, to um, to these meetings um, to represent Roosevelt, Everell um, Harriman, um, he was uh, excluded from from taking part in the discussion. So so Churchill or so Churchill doesn't really even um, let anybody else know until after the fact. Um, but eventually, what happens is as the as the war is ending, um, uh, elections are going to come up. Um, and and Churchill um, sort of hurts his chances um, at winning by um, by playing party politics and, and denigrating the Labour Party.
0: Oops. Idiot. He so he so basically basically he pulled a Trump, right? He could have just sailed right into winning the election, but he fucked up. He fucked up and shot well, himself in the foot.
2: Well, well, what he says on June fourth, nineteen forty five, um, is that during a radio prog- uh, broadcast, he says. Um, that for the Labour government to, um, to to enforce some of its agenda, he said they would, quote-unquote, uh, have some form of Gestapo. Ooh. Ooh. Um, bro, this, too this, this too soon. Literally too soon.
1: Yeah, like, yes, you, could, you could make the too soon statement back then. <laughs> like, and it literally it sort too of soon,
2: has, bro. And it, and it sort of gets the same response, um, and it backfires badly, and, and Clement Attlee... Um, he he's able to sort of um, to play on this and gain more popularity, of course. Um, and and it's said of this event as well that it sort of just made Attlee as a um, as, as a serious political contender and candidate for prime minister. Um, so uh, polling begins on July fifth. Um, the revol- the results of the election aren't known until uh, July twenty sixth until right. Yeah, Um, due due to the fact that um, they have to collect uh, votes from the people who are mobilized overseas, Um, so so it takes time for all the mail in. Oh, they actually
1: cared about that in Britain. Yeah, yeah. Conservatives (laughs) give a fuck about
2: that back then. You know, it's un-American. You know, you can't
1: look. All I've been told is the last president told me that the military were losers and bums, and you know that's what I was told. You know, so why are we counting their votes?
0: And if you die, he's gonna denigrate your family.
1: Oh my god, it's just the worst thing ever. <laughs>
0: um, but he might sign uh, a picture of your face though. i will put a how did they let that, across
1: how that? How did the shit? party <laughs> let that go? Like, how did they? Like, all right, let's not even go down that road. Like, how did they let that go though? I just don't get it. Like, how I
0: know you I got when friends. He mocked a guy with fucking CP
1: dog. Dude, the I got friends mocked a handicapped person. I got friends. Yeah, but they don't give a shit about that. He mocked the military. They
0: don't give a fuck about the military.
1: Just yeah, like they, they do. That's the like that's no, their big that's Listen, their big thing, dude. No,
0: they don't. It's lip service. It's performative. Well, it's like I'm sure it is lives performative. Matter. Yeah, they, if
1: they get pulled over, they don't expect to get a ticket. Yeah, they don't give a right. fuck. It's
0: right. just it's shit to get elected. That's all it is. That's
1: true.
2: Yeah, it's the uh, the people like like that one um, that one like race riot in Boston where the guys stabbing. The, the other guy. or Actually, I think it was Philadelphia where he stabs him with the flag. That
0: is outside um, of City Hall in Boston in 1961 yeah, it's in, or 62, but it's outside City Hall in Boston.
2: Yeah, so. it's, it's essentially that went down at the, the Capitol protest, but it was like, like the, the blue line flag.
1: <laughs> and we're going to go ahead and go to Ryan here for the Boston Murder Minutia Minute. <laughs> <laughs> we're going <laughs> to... Alright, so listen, listen. How did you if know? You ca- like, if you- I know what year it is and what step it
0: was on. It was on step seventy-three. Listen, these cocksuckers took a fucking flag. right?
1: <laughs> cocksuckers. To,
0: listen, this cocksucker tried to take this flag and run through this man right on the steps of City Hall downtown Boston. I look it. I'm not a fan.
1: I was there, and I heard him, and he sounded like this while he was yelling. He was just, oh, with the flag. I'm the
0: first one to tell you, the first one on the news, I was not supportive of this type of action against the the blacks, okay?
1: (laughs) But Churchill was. was. It was against busing. He was fine with it. Churchill was fine with it. Um, Churchill didn't give a (laughs) fuck.
2: So um, Churchill knows that he's going to lose, and and, while while he's having uh, lunch with his... uh, lunch with his wife um she she remarks that it might be a blessing in disguise um but churchill retorts in response at at the moment it seems very effectively disguised yo this dude
0: is such a fucking piece of shit i look you arrogant fuckhead he's so
1: like good at talk i like the way he talks <laughs> i, I do well, like the way he talks i <laughs> think he, i think he's got an amazing repartee like he's just he's so gifted at, uh, no, fuck comebacks. him. You to take
0: Northern Ireland. Fuck him.
1: Well, yeah, I understand well,
2: that. Well, actually, <laughs> actually, Churchill would be uh, supportive of Irish uh, reunification. Um,
0: yeah, but under UK law, he is not under unification for a free and autonomous Ireland at all. Well, of
2: course. Yeah, he, he he eventually is. Um I mean, but, I, which which brings which brings him into conflict with the Unionists. Um,
1: yeah, he was so, kind of all over the place.
2: So, um, so that that afternoon after the, the lunch, which is happening on you know the day that the elections decided, um, he meets with uh, his doctor, uh, Lord Moran, um, and and Lord Moran sort of uh, sort of Doctor that that the British people have a um, have an ingratitude to him, um, but Churchill replies, I wouldn't call it that. They have been um, they have had a very hard time. Um, so while he does lose the election, he does understand, you know, that that he that he's not doing everything he could be doing for the common people to make their lives better.
1: Yeah. Okay.
2: Um. Um. So he's succeeded by Atlee, who forms a labor governor. Now that's uh, a,
1: that's anecdotal, right? Like, but does he does he express that any, in any other place that that sense of almost like. Uh, Recognition of your your like shortcomings, I guess, as a as a governing official.
2: Well, yeah, he because he because he lost. Like he he knows like he lost because
1: so he lost uh, gracefully. He wasn't is what, doing is What you're saying? Yes. Okay.
2: All right. All right. Um, so, and a lot of like one of the biggest reasons for his defeat is that the British people want sort of post war reform, uh, and and they felt that um that they felt that. And they feel that the person who led them in war is not the person to do that in peace.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you gotta go back to Tom Hagen. <laughs> <laughs> Just one more time. <laughs> hey, Tom. Quick, um, Tom so, Hagen, so representing Tom.
2: <laughs> so for about a period of uh, six years, um, he serves as leader of the opposition. Um, and in 1946, he'll go to the United States for, for a period of three months. Um, and during that time, he'll give his Iron Curtain speech, Ooh. Um, so which is about what
0: is, yeah. What's a, what's a broad overview? Like, yeah, I'm not really like,
1: familiar with
2: take well, he, it. He, I've never heard he the essentially says that that the Soviet Union is is creating uh, an Eastern uh, block uh, of of nations that are sort of its its allies and, and puppets, and it's just creating a, a iron curtain around those countries that's not letting anything in or out.
0: Isn't that exactly what they were doing?
2: Well, I I believe the the original intent was influence. He didn't expect it to be like a closed system. You know, but I mean like that is
0: what they were doing though, correct?
2: With the Soviet Union? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um and and so on um and and this was done on March fifth, nineteen forty six, um where he was uh, meeting where where uh, President Truman at Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri, where he gave a speech. Okay.
1: I hate to make uh, Churchill sound out to be, like, too much of a good guy, but, like, it almost sounds like when you get into the nitty-gritty of big-time situations, his appraisal of them is pretty accurate, I guess, from his perspective well, at least. But he uh, has it, a keen eye. It's grounded well, in, is... like, a reality. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: Well, well, his, his original intent... Was that for the Soviet Union and the United States and Great Britain to sort of have a, a triangular uh, leadership position over the world? Um, and well, that's and not so, good. <laughs> um, so this is this is where we sort of get that the the special relationship um, between the British Commonwealth and Empire and the United States, um, which he also coined during this speech.
1: What he coins what? The, re- the relationship, or what?
2: Yeah, the, that's the special relationship, oh. which which they always refer to. Okay. Um, and, and he also emphasizes the need of the United Nations uh, Charter and how that uh, country should operate under it. I agree. Um, <sighs> he, he was also a proponent of uh, pan-Europeanism. Um, he, he eventually, uh, he, he had even called in 1930 in an article um, for the creation of a United States of Europe. Huh. Um, he supported the creation of the Council of Europe in 1949. They make a lot of
1: money over there. Um and
2: the, the and the, <laughs> Listen, the <old> European
1: our movies are shit.
2: And the the European Coal and Steel Community in 1951, which these are precursors to the European Union.
0: Right.
2: Um but he his his sort of support of these um stopped at at Great Britain not actually joining a federal grouping. Of European nations,
0: the fuck? So it's for everybody else but us. What's that sound well, like? Well, no, huh? no, it's the it's the sense like? of
2: how they. Well, no, it was the sense of how they used to be in the European Union, where they 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 had their own currency still. Yeah, like, but, th- but they still participated in other aspects of it. I'll
1: stop! I I'll let Steve have it. You know how Britain um, they got to pick and choose. Like, they I were s- a la,
0: they were European Union a la carte.
1: Yeah, basically. Britain was always that way in the European <clears throat> Union. Like they weren't really? really they weren't really full players in it. You know, they took, yeah. they had all the benefits, but they only put up like, this is not uh, intelligent at all, but they only put up 15% of like the fucking push from there. Don't end. make
0: me, don't listen, don't make me more sour towards you, England you, than I already You
1: should am. be because Brexit was a joke because. Of this, this is one of the main reasons that I still think it's like f- fucking ridiculous when people talk about like their support for Brexit and I'm like you're like, you were doing the bare minimum anyway, you stupid sons of bitches and now you're fucking pulled out right? I mean, now they're fucked. I don't feel bad I don't fucked. feel bad at all. I don't feel bad for them at all but I do feel bad that uh, Bojo kind of suckered them into it you know? No, he didn't well,
2: No, he didn't. Well, no, no Bojo didn't. Bojo Absolutely didn't not. sucker them into it. What, what happened was was that in order for David Cameron to win the election, he had made promises that there would be a debate on leaving the European Union in order to gain the support of the Brexit people.
1: Okay.
2: Like, like eventually, what becomes the Brexit people? They have this. They have the vote because he thinks that it, Brexit is not going to happen. He thinks they're going to have the yeah. vote and it's going to fail. But what happens is they Brexit happens due to the campaign that that the brexit people put on that just outright lied to everybody about what would happen post brexit and then so everybody votes yes it's um,
0: literally the trump election in
2: 2016 if you think about it in those terms it, it's it's the equivalent of like a, a classroom election to be like class president and, and it's like saying, like, well, you know, we're going to have pizza for lunch every day. There's going to be more vending machines just promising, like, bullshit that they can't do. There
1: Correct. should be a labor law that they're not allowed to bring in pizza as, like, any form of reward. I <laughs> feel <laughs> like that would raise wages across the board, you know. Um, <laughs> any money you were, you were setting aside for pizza parties this year has to go to your employees. Well, fuck every it. Ho- every Cancel all the pizza manager- parties. <laughs>
0: hospital managers across the nation just had it out, just wrote your name in a small book there, Steve.
1: Uh, they're, dude, they're, I, I will never work for shit. him. I'll never work for You give me a pizza party as a reward at work. Steve knows what I'm talking about. You give me a pizza party for a reward at work, like, you can kiss my whole ass.
0: That's literally what they do in hospitals,
2: but okay. Uh, I've, I've, I've had that happen at a place I worked, and they even gave us the, the compliment sandwich when they gave it to us. They're oh, like, we're yeah. gonna give this to you, but like, that that doesn't mean that you that, that you're that you can that so, you can like you know settle down. Yeah. Like like you need to be given a hundred percent. Yeah. You gotta
1: give hundred and ten percent like old Winston. Listen, off topic
2: um, though. They
0: this year for Nurses Week, um, one of the hospital groups like there's Healthcare uh, Corporation of America HCA. Um, you know, there's a bunch of different like healthcare groupings that own hospitals. Uh, one of them for Nurses Week. Gave their nurses in a brown paper bag a fucking rock.
1: Because oh, yeah, I nurses saw that. Because Are
0: th- the rock stars of the department. A fucking
1: rock. Let me tell you something so, about that, okay? If you ever talk like, to listen, anyone all, in management like, listen, you're or sales, pass
0: that to me around a glass window.
1: Because listen. That's, mm. Listen, if you ever talk to anyone in management or sales and they refer to Members of the employment group as a rock star, okay, yeah. or like potential candidates, you fucking punch that person in the face, okay?
2: It is the <laughs> no, no, sim-
1: single Steve, scummiest Steve, sales stop. technique.
2: Stop! <laughs> you do not punch them in the face. You punch them in the throat. But and
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you okay? I was trying to be nice, but all right. By the way, we're 11 minutes into the Floyd Mayweather-Logan uh, Paul fight, so... Uh...
2: Oh, shit, what are you saying? You're saying wrap it up.
1: <laughs> no, no, my audacity <laughs> says I have enough disk space for 189 more hours of this episode, so <laughs> keep it going, keep it going. Roll tape. Say, are you,
2: are you, like, rolling your, rolling your hand, you know, to wrap it up, you know?
1: I got money riding on this social media piece <laughs> of shit. Uh. Uh. <laughs>
2: he's like oh, he's, he's juiced to the gills he's probably gonna win
1: nah he won't win he won't win. <laughs> no, if he no, does we're if we're he we're d- we're, no. it doesn't matter who wins i was trying to convince someone about this it literally doesn't fight. matter the no. whole point of this fight is to take your money like if you don't yeah, if, if you're not watching this in a gif on reddit or 4chan tomorrow then you got fucking got that's how yeah. i look at it Fuck that! Well, the, I'm a big boxing guy one, too, man. I love boxing, and this is at, bullshit. at the
2: last one they had a uh, they had a slapping competition that Rick Flair officiated.
1: Well, that's that's actually awesome, but anyway, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I, I thrown that. Around.
2: <laughs> um, so, so going back um, to uh, sort of his stance on Ireland, um, that that um, Churchill uh, he comes to oppose um, Ulster Unionists. Um, and during his time as as um, leader of the opposition, um, he tells um, successive um, Irish ambassadors um, that he still hoped for Irish uh, reunification.
0: God, that's so disingenuous, though, because everything that I've heard says that he wanted reunification under at least a British rule, if not entirely, then partially.
2: Well, I think I, I think his original um, stance was for it to be you know, under Great Britain, but I think he probably would have liked for them to reunify and then become, like, a commonwealth country, to sort of have the, the commonwealth agreements, like, with South Africa and Canada and India.
0: Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. Not good enough. Fuck yourself. <laughs> no. um,
1: Jesus
2: Christ. So, so Labor uh, Labor would win the 1950 general election. Um, l- their majority would not be as high as before, um, but Churchill would continue being the leader of the opposition.
0: Okay.
2: Um. But um, despite this, um, the, the conservatives were able to win a majority of, of 17 seats um, in the October 1951 general election, um, and Churchill would again become prime minister. Um, and he would remain in office until he, he resigns on April 5th, 1955.
1: So he became prime minister again. The, yes. after When did he lose it? In 47? 48?
2: He lost it in forty five.
1: Okay, so he it was still like during World War Two then, because World War Two didn't end until like forty six. It was
2: during the wrap up. It was like they were mopping up. They were just okay. Yeah.
1: So, but still, he lost it, and then uh, he got it back only like less than a decade later. Like that's
2: it was six years.
1: That's pretty fascinating that he was able to get. Like they were kind of like, it's almost like the populace you said before had said, "We don't want the wartime Consuliere in there." You know, for the cleanup job, and then they were like, "Fuck that! We need the wartime consulari back for what's <laughs> well, going they, on they, now." They don't.
2: They don't. Well, when do they? They know who they're voting for when they vote. You know, conservative. Get
1: the fuck out but, of here! Then they all—they all, they think they know who they're voting for. I,
2: no, no, I mean like they know like because you don't vote for prime minister. Uh, the, okay, the party chooses that. prime minister. Right. They know who the prime minister is going to be. It's not like it's up in the air of like, oh no, the conservatives won in fifty-one. He's going to be the. <laughs> who's going to be the prime minister um, cuz that's the whole reason why they have that's the reason why they have the shadow cabinet because it can flip so quickly that instead of you know being like Trump and like sitting on his ass for like a year before they get everybody in place like from day 1 they already have the people in place who are going to be the the cabinet people
1: that's how you yeah. do it right there boy um <laughs>
2: So he would make Anthony Eden um his uh secretary of um his Minister of Foreign Affairs, um and uh Eden would uh handle a lot of um a lot of that um as uh Churchill would become preoccupied. Hmm. Um Har- uh, former uh Prime Minister Harold McMillan um would be appointed Minister of Housing and Local Government, um and he had a, a commitment to build three hundred thousand new houses um which was uh, Churchill's only real domestic concern was more uh, public housing. <laughs> McMillan um, uh, would achieve uh, would achieve the target um, in October of nineteen fifty four. He was promoted to Minister of Defense.
1: So his only concern was more public housing.
2: Yeah, because remember the because they they still hadn't given people homes after the Blitz.
1: I mean, it's just yeah, like okay. So you're saying it's if, almost like. Okay, well, so, okay, I understand, I understand.
2: Because remember, like, when when Queen Elizabeth was married, she had to use vouchers for her wedding dress. She had to use ration vouchers.
1: I did not know that.
2: Um, so, it, they were still under rationing, um, into the 50s. Um, they, they still didn't have, you know, they, they still hadn't cleaned up all the damage from the war. Right. Um, so, uh, Churchill, um, uh, by that time, he's seventy-seven. Um, uh, in in nineteen fifty-one, um, when he takes office, um, and he's not really in great health due to having um, uh, several strokes.
1: Yeah. Oh man, that'll happen when you uh, mainline cigars <laughs>
2: um, and <laughs> whiskey. Yeah. Yeah, and drink your drink your weight in whiskey every day. You probably
1: get away with having a cigar and drinking whiskey as long as you're exercising the other six days of the week, but. <laughs> You can't be doing that every fucking day. Although, if nope. you went through World War II, you might be a little self-destructive, you know?
0: I don't... Um, listen, I'm not going to hold it against anybody who lived through that time period to do whatever the fuck you want to do yep. to take care of whatever demons you picked up. Yep. It is not so, on me to judge.
2: So so what happens is is that in December of, of 1954, um, George VI um, had become concerned with uh, Churchill's health um, and was intending to ask him to step down in favor of Anthony Eden becoming Prime Minister. But he
1: stuttered um, and told him to stay in.
2: That was, well, what happens is that he dies before he can do this um, on, on February Churchill 6th. Churchill dies? Uh, no, George VI dies. Okay. Um, so, uh, it was expected that um, Churchill would retire... Um, after uh, Queen Elizabeth's coronation in May of 1953, um, but after um, Eden had become uh, seriously ill, um, Churchill um, uh, sort of uh, took on Eden's responsibilities and remained prime minister. Hmm. Okay. Um, and because um, cause Eden had his own health problems, he, he had heart issues, um, he would be incapacitated till the end of that year, and he would never completely be well again. That sucks. That's Um, unfortunate. So, uh, Churchill is is very much focused on building um, sort of a closer relationship between um, the United States and Great Britain um, in order to sort of prevent a a future war from happening. Uh, Not between, you know, the United States and Great Britain, but just in general um, for the United States and Great Britain to move in sort of lockstep um, to prevent conflict. Um, he he enjoyed a very close relationship with uh, Harry Truman, uh, but um, uh, they they would have a number of difficulties over a planned European defense uh, community um, because Truman had wanted to reduce um, America's military presence um, in West Germany, um, while uh, Churchill was skeptical about the uh, European defense community. So he can uh, Which is sort of like. Which is sort of like a predecessor to NATO. So he kind of wanted to keep um, us on
1: board, so to speak, for now. Yeah,
2: he wanted he wanted to keep us there because he didn't really trust this uh, agreement. Yeah, um, and he also wanted the U.S. to support uh, British interests in, in Egypt and the Middle East. Um, but Truman refuses this.
1: Yeah, because he um, can't take part in that.
2: Um, and so uh, while while Truman um, while while Truman um expected you know the British to be involved in Korea. Um, he he viewed that any sort of uh, helping uh, a commitment to helping the British in the Middle East would just be aiding uh, what he viewed as British imperialism. Um, so that uh, Truman, like a lot of Americans during this period, they recognize you know that the British Empire is in decline, um, and they they welcome um, Clement Attlee's government when it came into um, office, um, its policy of decolonization. Okay. Um, so remember, a lot of the big ones happened during his period. Um, the independence of of what eventually becomes Israel um, and also um, India mm-hmm. happen during uh, Atlee's uh, tenure. Right. Um, but Churchill, um, he believes that uh, Britain's position in the world um, depends on its empire and it continuing to exist. Um, so he's not a fan of decolonization.
1: So he's an imperialist. All right. Yes. Yeah. So I, like I got every. It. I got one thing to say to that.
0: <sighs> hey, <laughs> so he's literally an imperialist in every sense of the word.
2: Yes, he was. Uh, he was a fan of it. Gotcha. Um, but he, um, he 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 felt that he had been obliged to recognize um, Nasser's um, takeover of Egypt. uh Oh. Um, and um, it he had um, he, he privately uh, felt dismay at having um, come to agreement. Um, in October of 1954 on the uh, phased evacuation of British troops from uh, the Suez base in Egypt. Gotcha. Um, and addition, and uh, uh, Britain also agreed to terminate its rule um, in Anglo-Egyptian Sudan um, by 1956, um, and this was done if Nasser would abandon Egypt's claims to uh, Sudan okay um, because be, because they kind of ruled Egypt and Sudan as like one colony yeah and he's essentially saying that like uh, we will we will like pull out of Sudan but you can't um, you can't like take over Sudan okay um, so so what eventually happens is is that a number of, of sort of revolutionary uh, movements break out in different colonies uh, the first major one is what's referred to as the Malayan emergency Um which is is sort of this communist insurgency that takes place in what eventually becomes Malaysia in 1948. And it continues um, into 1960, which is actually three years after uh, Malaysia becomes an independent country in 1957. Um, So what ends up happening is that uh, the Malayan Communist Party, um, its armed wing called the Malayan National Liberation Army, um, is, is sort of seeking to overthrow the government of Malaysia and establish a communist state. Um, the majority of the base for the Malayan Communist Party, though, comes from uh, the local um, Chinese ethnic community um, throughout Southeast Asia and, and a lot of Asia in, proper. In Malaysia, uh, yes, there, there's a there's what's a, a Chinese diaspora community, okay. very much like in the United States, yeah. where throughout the the 19th century um, and, and early 20th century that um that sort of like poorer working class Chinese people would would go seek work as laborers or, or other such jobs um in Southeast Asia and other like British colonies. Um and so they're the primarily um sort of the backers of this. It doesn't have a lot of a lot to do, you know, with um the, the Chinese Communist Party, which during this period is um fighting the civil war in China. Um but um they, um, they're, they're seen as a major threat. Um, so what happens early on is, is the British go in um, and and it's it's very brutal they're, they do a lot of extrajudicial killings of villagers. Um, they use a lot of scorched earth tactics, um, you know just destroying villages um, and, and other sort of areas of the jungle um, in order to deprive um, the, the communists of their support. Um, and they do this because um, most of the, the Malayan communist parties, um, sort of influence is in these areas of Malaysia um, that, are, that are primarily um, um, populated by ethnic Chinese, hmm. um, and what they eventually do is they enact what's called the Briggs Plan, um, and this plan ends up imprisoning um, 400 to 500 thousand people, uh, about 10 percent of uh, Malaysia's population at the time, um, into internment camps, which they were, which they called the New Villages.
0: I'm sorry, what?
2: Um and so what they do is they build uh, they they build these sort of villages like actual villages with like houses um electricity and running water um by forcibly um, moving the people into these villages and telling them you know you live here now. Um this of course is a violation of their civil rights and also in violation of the Geneva Convention. Yeah. Um, I'd say. And and detainees Um, Who are detained by the British government are judged on a scale of white, gray, black. So those that are considered white are those who have very little, um, very little sort of connection to the communists. Like they're they're not a sympathizer. They're 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 considered to be good. Um,
0: So nothing to do with skin color. It's they're no no
2: no. uh, It's just sort of like where they stand on the spectrum of how close they are to being like. Uh, gray are people who are um, who, who sort of um, identify or or sort of are supportive of the communists, and black are those who are members of like the Malayan Communist Party. Gotcha. Um, this would all eventually come back um, in Vietnam because this is one of the first modern counterinsurgencies campaigns, um, and because um, because it actually works in Malaysia, um, they do effectively. Um, sort of uh, stamp out um, the Bolivian Communist Party's um, sort of army using these tactics, uh-huh. um, because the areas that they're in are so remote. By removing the people who live in those areas, um, and essentially saying that anybody who's in these areas after they've removed the people, that it's like a like a shoot on sight like type deal. Damn, gotcha. you know that these these areas have been abandoned. Um, these are considered like a war zone. So anybody who ends up in these areas, um, they are considered to be a an enemy combatant
0: gotcha okay um
2: and so they no longer have the villages uh supporting them because all the villagers are in these um essentially uh fenced in um sort of modern uh villages where the where the british can keep an eye on them and it also prevents them from helping the communists okay um and so the americans do this in vietnam but it fails because they they don't have the same sort of divide because Malaysia as a country, is, it's actually a federation full of many different minority groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Vietnam isn't that. There are minority groups like the Hmong and, and other such groups, you know, that live in the mountains. Um, but um, the majority of the population of Vietnam is Vietnamese. Yeah. So so by doing this, they're, they're not really effectively um, sort of cutting down this movement. Um, And and also, too, like a lot of the minorities are also opposed to the Chinese due to sort of like older um, sort of clashing between ethnic groups and also the fact, you know, they aren't Chinese, so they don't really care as much. Right. Okay. Uh, so so it doesn't really translate into into Vietnam. Um, and, And soon after this. Um, Churchill's government um, uses a similar response in what's called the Mau Mau Uprising in British Kenya, which lasts from nineteen fifty two to nineteen sixty.
1: Fucking Mau Mau.
0: <laughs> Yo, this dude Mau Mau, he went over to Kenya. He's trying to do this one uprising. Type I'm pretty thing sure Paulie
1: in the Sopranos <laughs> uses the term Mau Mau to mean like crazy at some point. Fucking Mau Mau, this guy. <laughs>
2: We're not really sure where... Pauly the, got the that term. term. Well. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> we probably heard it once. He was like, that sounds good.
1: I tell you hey, Pony, what, this Malaysian good, thing, Pony. there's going to be a line of Cazarelli's a mile long. <laughs>
2: um, we're, we're not really sure where the term Mau Mau comes from. Um, it and it, It's sort of like this <laughs> armed resistance that goes up against British rule, uh, mainly from a... Um, from a group called the Kikuyu. Um, and the the Mau Mau um, they, they want to overthrow the British um, and they want to um, uh, sort of take over and the the movement itself is very divided. Um, it doesn't really have like a very queer um, sort of Where, like political agenda other than kicking the British out.
1: Where's Churchill? That's like, fu- that's during, a
2: perfect agenda. What the fuck you where's mean? Where's Churchill be- during fine. all this? He's prime minister.
1: Yeah, but like, what's he doing? Like, is all the stuffs going on?
2: Like, what's he? What's his? He's greenlighting it. He's just greenlighting all this. Because <laughs> remember, it's like being the president. Like, <laughs> like George W. Bush was not like in Iraq doing everything. He was letting the people do it, and we hold him responsible for that. Oh,
0: is that no bullshit? Um, he was. You on just a called me With his jacket, Jesus. And said we won, mission accomplished. He was on a carrier. I
1: fucking understand that, like George Bush wasn't fighting in Iraq for fuck's sake. I'm saying, like. Church, you haven't said the word Churchill in like 20 minutes and all this terrible shit is coming out of your mouth and I'm just sitting there like what the fuck is he doing like is he just okay with all this
2: yeah because he's prime minister until 55 so this is this, this like is during his rid- tenure this is
1: crazy this is ridiculous I've never even heard of it
2: before um, oh my God. so the the main operation they use to, to sort of um, put down the rebellion is carried out by general George Erskine Um, and it's called Operation Anvil. Um, And Operation Anvil would detain um, over 50,000 Africans within the Nairobi region of Kenya. Mm. Did you say detain? Um, Yes. Um, So Erskine uh, initially wanted to relocate all people belonging to the Kikuyu, Embu, Meru uh, peoples um, from the Nairobi region, um, but the governor of Kenya rejects this um because he he sort of feels that if they did this you know it would destroy the local economy like he just can't you know up and move uh these population groups from the area because you know they're they're already entrenched here you know they have jobs and like it it would just like, destroy the economy They already fucking live here. How yeah. about that? How about this you is just house. tell people
0: to get the fuck up and move? it doesn't matter if yeah. you got a job or not. It doesn't matter if you
2: got a home or not.
1: We're but rezoning this area white well, we're rezoning it.
2: Well, you see, you you sort of see that the the British don't care. Like it's <laughs> about like you're
0: forgetting this one key thing, Ryan. They don't give a fuck. Yeah,
2: they don't. I feel like they don't Stephen give a, a fuck.
0: Smith, yeah. I'm here to tell you, we don't care. <laughs> fuck it, Stephen A. Smith. Oh my god.
2: <laughs> um, but but eventually, the majority of these people would be uh, detained or removed from uh, Nairobi. Oh
0: my um, god.
2: As they're as they're under detention. Um, they use the same scheme that they used in Malaysia, which is the white, gray, black scheme, to determine their loyalty to the Mau Mau.
1: Oh my God! Somebody came up with this. It's brilliant. Let's use it there. Great. White, gray, black. Got it. It's
2: disgusting. Um, and, and Gus, a lot of times Gus, they would yeah, bring. Gus
1: is colorblind.
2: They would have people who are detained, and they would have uh, they would have an individual who's being a, a witness um to to wear like a, a black bag over their head that sort of obscures their face, um, to point out who, who they believed were Mao Mau or who they knew were Mao Mau from groups. Um, okay. Many detainees would be put through what was called the Pipeline. Um, the Pipeline was a series of uh, forced labor camps um, that, that were scaled in intensity from worse to less worse. Um, so very much like the Gulag system in um, the Soviet Union... Um, Suspected members of the Mau Mau or Mau Mau um, sort of adherents that were detained, um, they would be pushed through these camps, these forced labor camps, um, in order to break them um, going from worse to less worse until they were deemed able to be reintroduced into society.
0: Oh. Right. right. Okay. Um, the
2: The first type that they create was only for detainees in the, the Kikuyu districts of uh, Kenya. Um, and the second was for. Um, 30,000 known Mau Mau suspects, um, who they believed could not be returned to society.
0: Did they um, base this on any sort of reason or is that just, oh, we just can't return to society?
2: Well, they they were, they were caught fighters and they said like, well, if we let them go, they're just going to, they're just going to, you know, go back and fight again. So gotcha. they're like, so they're, they're permanently, okay. they're permanently okay. prisoners. So no. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Um,
2: and these, these, um, these work camps would also do a number of infrastructure projects, in Kenya, including the construction of um, Mbakasi Airport, which is the current-day um, international airport of Nairobi, Kenya. Okay. Um, so as as this is all going on, um, uh, Churchill is not really um, not really happy with how things are going in the United States. Um, once Eisenhower is is elected president, um, uh, as um, he's not really a fan of it. Um, uh, when Stalin dies on March 5th, 1953, uh, Churchill, um, uh, seeks a summit, uh, with the Soviets, um, but Eisenhower refuses to do this, um, because he thinks the Soviets will use it for propaganda. Fair. Um, and so, uh, by July of that year, um, he begins to regret that the Democrats had not retained control of the White House, um, and, uh, Eisenhower, um, had, or, um, that Churchill had said of Eisenhower as a president that he was, quote-unquote, both weak and stupid. (laughs) Um, He also believed that uh, Eisenhower um, didn't fully comprehend the danger of the H-bomb, and he greatly distrusted um, Eisenhower's Secretary of State um, behind the bastards um, uh, candidate um, John Foster Dulles.
0: Oh, man, yeah, ooh. I would say we need to do an episode on him, but I feel like uh, Robert Evans and them will do it better.
2: Yeah. Well, they already they already did one on the Dulles brothers, and uh, yeah, yeah. That's
0: right. They did do one on the Dulles brothers. Wow.
2: When, when people talk about, like, overthrowing governments in, like, Africa in the 50s and stuff like that in South America, like, that's straight up the Dulles Brother. Like,
0: how do you have one brother who's the Secretary of State and the other one who's the head of the CIA? i feel like that's a massive conflict of interest to have to allow that at the same time
1: i love nepotism it's great um so on on june 23rd
2: 1953 churchill has a serious stroke um and becomes partially paralyzed down one side okay. um so if if eden had been well um churchill's uh premiership would have ended um but um this matter is kept secret um, and and Churchill would recuperate um, in in secret privately at his house in Chartwell, um, and he would be fully recovered by November of nineteen fifty three. Like um, no
1: visible problems at all.
2: Well, that he had been able to, I guess, move his move that side of his body. Yeah,
1: it's often temporary. So
0: um, yeah, depending on what kind of stroke it is, will depend on whether you're going to have any sort of long lasting. Deficits, and I mean, I've met plenty of people who've had strokes before that weren't just simple like transient attacks that actually have had no TIA um, lasting problems. Yeah, that have had no problems, even if they've had like a serious stroke. Uh, it just honestly depends on how fast
2: you can get treatment from when it starts. Okay. Um, so uh, Churchill would uh, meet with Eisenhower um, in the Three Powers Conference with uh, French Prime Minister um, Joseph Laniel. Um, it, in um, in in Bermuda um, in December of 1953, uh, with uh, Churchill as the host, um, and then at June um, at and then throughout June and July of 1954 at the White House um, with Eisenhower as the the host, with them being um, unable to, to sort of like come come to an agreement on things. Okay. Um, so so eventually the the Soviets would propose a four power summit, um, but it did not meet until uh, July 18th, 1955, three months after Churchill would retire. Um, Churchill retires as Prime Minister in April of 1955, and he's succeeded by Anthony Eden. Okay. Um, uh, Elizabeth, uh, Queen Elizabeth II had offered to create um, uh, a Duke of London title to be given to Churchill, um, but this was declined um, um, due to rejections from his son uh, Randolph, um, who would have inherited the title um, on Churchill's death? So then, wait. So then, why didn't he want it though? Because he didn't want to have to. Um, he didn't want to have to keep up the title of of Duke of London.
0: I guess this is like way back in the day when it actually meant something to be a duke, right? Like nowadays, you could be like, yeah, give me that title and just act like it's
1: fucking. Well, it I believe it still would, means something financially, but outside of that, it's
2: bullshit. I I believe he would be. He would have to sit in the House of Lords, and which is a pain um, in the ass. And I believe there would also be some other things that he would have to upkeep, um, uh, in, in order okay. to keep his dukedom. Um, it's like it's like owning a castle. Like owning a castle sucks because uh, most of them are historic landmarks, and you have to keep them up to a standard or yeah. be heavily fined. And it's like incredibly expensive too.
1: Yeah, to keep a yeah. castle um, up to standard. <laughs> imagine yeah, those, like, in imagine to, those like Imagine those like.
0: What's and that? they were talking about how expensive they were. Like they were like tens of thousands of well, dollars. Like, like
2: if remote. your castle, if your castle has a moat, like it's ridiculously expensive to maintain because under the water in the moat, it's wood. Right. So you have to replace like the wooden beams that are under under the castle um, or, or it'll eventually like collapse and then you'll be I'm just picturing
1: people. like those TikTok uh home inspectors like going through one of these castles <laughs> and just like looking <laughs> at it like wood in the moat in the water you guys jeez are they from Philly
2: <laughs> you call this a privy
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just heard in the mo- wood in the moat wood in the moat water in the water, the water. <laughs> no that's just Jersey water. I'm from Central Jersey so some of my shit is sounds like it's from Philadelphia you know, um. over there common Gerard. I worked there for like a uh, better part of a year. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. <laughs> that mayor of East um. video. So good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust it. Who's that? You hear they got divorced? You hear they got divorced? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, there's, that's like all of Mare of It's just like...
1: Oh, <laughs> I can't do it, dude. I
2: can't. Philly Philly suburbs. If you go talking. to Trenton, New
1: Jersey, they, a lot of them sound like that. A lot of them Oh my sound god, like it's that. hilarious. Because they grew up around it, so they all sound like that. I'm going to go down at a corner store and get a <laughs> Um.
2: So, uh, Churchill does accept the Order of the Garter um, and, and becomes Sir Winston, um, as as sort of a a consolation for not being the Duke of London,
1: so the Duke would have been um, a higher honor, right? I mean, just being knighted yes. is like whatever. I mean,
2: well, the, uh, the order of the Garter, <laughs> I mean... the, the order of the Garter is, is very is prestigious.
1: <laughs> what was that,
2: Steve? The order of the Garter is higher than um, than knighthood. Than than yeah, than some of those other knighthoods. It's a it's like a higher form of knighthood. Right. They're they're the ones that like when like the Queen. Like when when there's like the procession, like they're the people on the horses. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, uh, Churchill and uh, will will sort of keep an eye on things. Um, while he is publicly supportive of, of Eden, um, he does not uh, he does not like his handling of the Suez crisis. Uh-huh. Um, um, and uh, he also will go um, to the United States during that period and attempts to repair the Anglo American relationship. Um, Because, remember, the Americans are not happy with what Eden does in the Suez Crisis. Because, remember, um, when we talked about it, when we talked about the Suez Canal, um, they they essentially, in secret, uh, create a pact between uh, Britain, France, and Israel to invade Egypt and then act like, you know, that that wasn't their original intent. Okay, real talk,
0: how old is he right now? So, it's... He has to be in his fucking 80s, right? Yeah, I believe he's 81 at this
2: time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, though though he is no longer prime minister, he's still an MP, um, and this uh, continues until he stands down in nineteen um, in nineteen sixty four. Uh, he had been in um, at that time. He was an MP um, from October of, of nineteen hundred um, until the nineteen sixty four election. So he was uh, he was in office for about sixty four
1: years. Yeah, that that makes a lot of Jesus sense.
2: Jesus
0: Christ.
2: Um, but by 1959 um, he seldom attends the House of Commons um, and um, in 1959 uh, despite the Conservatives winning the election um, his own um, his, his own sort of majority in Woodford um, falls um, to him winning by, uh, by only a little over a thousand votes that's um, unfortunate he eventually spends most of his retirement at, at his uh, Chartwell House um, or his London home in Hyde Park and then also spends a lot of time on the French Riviera um, at, at La Pazza. Okay. Um, in, in June of 1962, um, it, at 87, he has a fall in Monte Carlo and, and breaks his hip. Oh,
0: um,
2: no. He, he's flown anyway. to a London hospital where he <laughs> stays for about three weeks. Um, and, and after that, um, he, he's never really the same uh, for the last two years of his life. Um. So, as, as time goes on, you know, in 63, uh, John F. Kennedy uh, uh, grants uh, grants honorary citizenship to uh, Winston Churchill, uh, making him one of the only eight uh, people to be granted honorary citizenship of the United States.
0: Who else got it? I know Mother Teresa got it.
2: Uh, uh, Raul Wallenberg got who's, it. Who's that? He's the guy that saved a bunch of Jews. Remember that they did the... Uh, the Behind the Bastards episode about him that was actually like one of the good guy episodes. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not listen to that because I don't like feel-good stories. I like just the stories that make me angry. <laughs>
1: I-, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, uh, I didn't Recent Facebook one. posts. <laughs> just take the last three Ryan Facebook posts. <laughs> oh, man. Um,
2: and the, uh, the Marquis de Lafayette is also well, yeah, of- I
1: mean, he's got a statue and right in there in DC, so.
2: yeah. Um so uh eventually he has his final stroke on January twelfth, nineteen sixty five. And he and he dies two weeks after that. Mm -hmm. Um or almost two weeks after that on the twenty fourth. I was gonna say, didn't he die the
0: same day his father died?
2: Yes, it was the seventieth anniversary of his father's death.
0: Yeah.
2: Um he was given a state funeral six days later on January thirtieth. Um and he was the first non-royal uh, person since uh, Lord Carson in 1935 to be given a state funeral. Hmm. Yeah. Um, eventually, after this, um, his uh, coffin was laid saint in Westminster Hall for three days. The funeral ceremony was at St Paul's Cathedral, and after that, his coffin was taken by boat down the down the River Thames. Um, to Waterloo Station, and from there, on a special train, was delivered to his family's plot at Saint Martin's Church, uh, Bladen, uh, near his birthplace of Blenheim Palace.
0: Is that how you pronounce that? As River Thames?
2: Yeah, yes. the
1: Thames. Yeah, you can call it the oh, Thames, whatever you want to do.
0: Fuck! That's why people always look at me stupid when I say River Thames.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like, if you're in Britain, it's pronounced the Thames, but you can call it the the Thames or whatever the hell you want to call it. I mean, who cares? But I think it's the Thames. I mean, I
0: get, like, people would know exactly what you're talking about, but I I would like to not look like an ignorant idiot any more than I already am. You know.
2: Um, Eventually, Uh. um, uh, Churchill would be given a statue in Parliament Square, which was unveiled in 1973 by his widow, uh, Clementine, and um, it is one of 12 statues in that square – sharing space with his his nemesis Gandhi, (laughs) yes (laughs) I knew it! Gandhi has one of that square, I think And that is the life and times of Winston Churchill A man of contrasts
1: You said it So, what's the opinion of your average British citizen now about Churchill?
2: I think it's probably the same of like, Ronald Reagan in the United States really or probably probably a little or probably a little better because you know he was a wartime president but but it's very much that like like very Tory like I'm sure like a lot of working class people you know those old Scottish women you know talking about how much they hate market too torture.
1: bad like, too bad yeah
2: <laughs> but put steak in a hot so she doesn't get back up
1: don't you, put you think a that's a, a <laughs> little bit mean too bad too, too bad. bad too bad <laughs>
2: But he's he's very similar. Like the miners remember him, um, other people for his his sort of handling of domestic things. Um, He was still a Tory politician despite being a politician that led them uh, to to victory. So
0: my – and I'm not worried about saying who this is because I know that she won't listen to this. And if she does, she won't get an hour and 46 minutes into this. But my boss at work is uh, from the UK. Uh, She's actually from England. And uh, when I mentioned that we were going to be doing an episode on Winston Churchill, she was like, oh, really? Like, she was very much, like, pro-Winston. Now, take that as anecdotally, but, you know, very not displeased with him as a person.
1: Well, I think he's lauded historically. I mean...
2: Yeah, most most people, I feel, have a good opinion, like most people in the Anglosphere have a, have a good opinion of Winston Churchill. I'm sure if you asked, you know, people in Africa or or India I want to say
1: ask the minorities. Well, I mean, yeah, there's like a there's like an article that came up when I was researching him and it just is this Indian guy, I think it's Indian guy. They're Indian or Pakistani in 2017 and he said something like Churchill's every bit as bad as Hitler. It's not even close, like
0: no, Mm-mm.
1: like that like just the shit that That's he did in in India and like the decisions that he made or the things that he allowed to happen imperialistically, yeah. and I'm like, that's, I'm not talking about the argument yeah. that they're making. I'm saying, like, if you want to talk about people's opinions in that part of the world about Churchill, yeah, you can look at the extreme. I'm sure
2: that's I'm sure that's somewhat of like an extreme take, but it's also uh, yeah, like probably. It, India. India is also one of those places where people like, like, there's that one guy on on Twitter who's like an Indian, like a, a Hindu nationalist, and his his avatar is uh, Hitler. With a uh, a bindi, oh. and um, oh, I've seen that guy. And it, it's it like, but but like he, but he loves Israel because like Hindu nationalists love Israel because Israel is like mainly fighting like Muslim countries. So so they like they're they're big fans of Israel. So you have a guy with like a Hitler avatar yeah. talking about like how much he loves Israel. <laughs> oh my
0: god! The fuck! <laughs> it, it listen, it's wild.
1: It's wild to see that on Twitter. Like when I scroll. Certainly, an interesting place. All right, well, Churchill's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. Always
2: right with the (laughs)
1: world. Ring the bell. God God bless. Follow
2: us us on Twitter,
0: follow us on Insta, follow us on FaceGram. Love you guys. FaceGram. I love FaceGram. Bye. Bye.